0: Yeah, give it to him. All right. Thank you, guys. How are you guys doing? Who is excited about the game tomorrow night? Anyone? I know. I, I see an Alabama fan. I see. I see a, a Notre Dame fan earlier. I don't know where he is right now. And I. I see. I see a Michigan fan. Unfortunately, just. But I, I'm I'm very excited about tomorrow night. Here's my prediction. This is not part of my message, but I just want it to be on record for all time. Because when it's right, you guys can all be congratulating me. But I'm saying 45 to 17. Okay, so it's on record. 45-21. All right. Hey, let me tell you guys a story. Um, when I was a, a freshman in high school, I went to Westville North High School. Um, I uh, it was it was my first week there and I had a problem I had my gym class was fourth period and all of my friends had lunch fourth period so I was like this is this is not working out Um, but what I had noticed in that first week was that my gym teacher would 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 bring us all in and he would take attendance um, and then he would send us to get changed And then we do whatever activity he had for us that day. And I had this brilliant idea. I thought, I can go uh, get counted for attendance, and then I just sneak off and and have lunch with my buddies, and no one will ever know. Um, And so I I built up the courage, and 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 I had never, you know, cut class or anything at this point. And I decided I'm going to do it. And so I I go into class. I get I get. Counted in the attendance, and then while everyone's going into the locker room, I, I go off to the lunchroom. And, you know, I had fun, and the next day I go to class, I'm a little bit nervous. Like, did he notice? Um, and he doesn't say a word. And I think, I did it. Like, this is awesome. I figured out a, a loophole here. So, uh, you know, I wait a couple days to see if he ends up saying anything. He doesn't say anything. Um, so I end up doing it again, and same thing. The next day I come in, he doesn't say a word. And so after the, over the next, uh, I think, three or four weeks, I ended up doing it a total of 12 times, which is almost every day. Um, but I, and, and nothing. He never said a word to me. And I was like, this is, this is great. This is great. High school is awesome. Um, and, and anyways, I'm sitting in math class, and someone comes in, and they have a note for me, and it says that I'm wanted at the principal's office. And I think, you know, like I'm going to get some like citizenship award or something for, for being such a, a good kid. And, and I get down there and I walk into the office and I see my gym teacher with my principal. And I think, oh no, I know what this is about. This is not good. Um, and of course it was. It was they, they needed to talk to me about my unexcused absences. And I ended up getting into a lot of trouble, both at school and with my parents. And what, what, what I learned is that Uh, basically, what you think you're doing that you're getting away with will eventually catch up with you. Right? You may think you're getting away with something, but eventually it catches up with you. And we're going to be talking about a story about that today. So why don't we just pray and invite the Lord here um, before we get started. Lord, we just invite you here. Lord, even as we were singing, pour it out, I was just, I was just thinking that I, I don't want to have just a lecture or just a, a, a transfer, transferring of information, but I just want you to pour your spirit out on us. Lord, let this just change your hearts this morning. In your name, amen. So I, I'd like to say that I, I learned my lesson and I never cut class again. But unfortunately, I did not. In in fact, I I think I just got better at cutting classes um, throughout my high school career. So the the moral of the story for high school kids is don't skip school, okay? (laughs) Don't cut class. Um, But actually, the principle we're going to be looking at today is is a principle called sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. We're going to see it all throughout the Bible. It's a principle that we see over and over again. And we're going to continue our series today in the, in the Patriarch series, and we're going to be looking at a story that is all about sowing and reaping. Um, and let me, just, let me just tip my cards a little bit real fast. So I'm going to kind of give you an overview of what I'm going to be talking about. Sowing and reaping is actually an agricultural term. Who here is either a farmer or gardens? Raise your hand. Okay, so a lot of you guys know a lot more about sowing and reaping than I do. Um, but it's an agricultural term, and what it basically means is sowing is planting seeds. If you sow a seed, you are planting a seed. And, and reaping is what you get out of that seed, like the fruit or the crop that comes from that, that, that seed. So if you say something like you reap what you sow, the concept is this. If you plant corn, you are not going to reap a watermelon. Do you know what I mean? If you plant corn, you're going to get corn. You reap what you sow. So if you apply that principle to your life, here's what it means. The decisions you make, the, the action, your actions, the choices that you make, they have consequences, right? They have an effect. And if you make bad decisions, you are probably going to get bad results. And if you make good decisions, you're probably going to get good results, favorable results. It says the things that we do, the choices that we make matter, and that there are consequences to our actions. And let me just say this up front. Even though there are consequences to our actions, we serve a very loving, graceful, gracious God. So this, this, this talk at points might seem a little heavy, but let's keep that in the back of our mind that God is gracious and good. So let's jump into the text. Let me recap a little bit before we do. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 29. Remember, we're looking at the life of Jacob now. Jacob is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. And if you remember, Abraham was this really godly man. Who was? If you look at his life, it was lots of just he was he was he was a good man who occasionally would just blow it big time. But if you look at Jacob, Jacob was almost the opposite. Jacob was he, uh, a guy who made lots of bad decisions, and occasionally he would make a good one. Um, but if, if you look, he was constantly you know swindling people. He was constantly manipulating people, deceiving people. Um, but God's blessing was over. The whole family. It was over uh, Abraham and Jacob. I remember last week we talked about how, or the past couple weeks, we talked about how Jacob left his home and he was off, you know, making, making uh, a life of his own. And, and remember last week we talked about how he had this vision from God, about God uh, coming down from heaven and the angels coming down from heaven. And basically there was this, this idea of an open heaven that God was saying, Jacob, I will always be with you. I will always be with you. And then uh, what we, we, we didn't talk about yet, but I'm going to catch you up, is that Jacob ends up coming to this new community, um, and he meets all these people, and he happens to meet some people that are relatives of his. He meets a, a guy named Laban, who is an uncle, and he meets uh, his, his cousins, Rachel and Leah, and, and he, 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 he decides that he's going to you know plant his roots there for a little bit. So that's where we are. So Genesis chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 14. It says, After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban, his uncle, said to him, Just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I will work for you for seven years and return for your younger daughter, Rachel. So Laban says, It's better that I give her to you than some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And then Jacob said to Laban, Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. Hold up, let's stop right there. Now I'm a parent. We have lots of parents here. If that if that seems inappropriate, um, that what 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 Jacob just said to Laban, it's because it is inappropriate. It's completely inappropriate. And actually, the translation that I chose here is tame compared to what he actually said. He was very vulgar in what he said. So so let's let's keep that in mind. This is just further proof that Jacob is is not a very good guy. All right. So. Laban decides he's going to throw a big wedding and he has something in the back of his mind. Remember, he had promised Jacob that he could marry uh, Rachel. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as an attendant. And when morning came, there was Leah so Jacob said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It's not our custom here to give our younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, and return for another seven years of work. All right, let's stop there. Laban pulled something over on Jacob. He, he totally deceived Jacob. This is a pretty crazy story. We can just admit it. This is a crazy story. One thing that, that might not make sense, and I'll just touch on for a second, is it says that Jacob did something with Leah, and it says that he didn't realize who it was. And we think, what? How would you not know who that was? That doesn't make any sense. But let me explain to you a little bit. It would actually historically make sense. Um, In those times, the bride would have her face completely covered. So he wouldn't be able to see the the woman's face. And the other thing is, is the groom would probably be very drunk. So, So Jacob was probably heavily intoxicated at this point. And so in this state of intoxication, Laban tricks Jacob into marrying Leah instead of Rachel and then unfortunately in this time women were just seen as property they were just seen as property so so in Laban's mind he was making a really crafty business deal he was saying i'm going to get uh, the i'm going to sell my this guy two daughters which one of them i might not be able to sell in the future so he was basically totally tricking Jacob into to, to working for him for 14 years instead of 7 years. And if you look at the story, it's actually quite similar to a story that we looked at a few weeks ago. That, you know, remember the story about how Jacob tricked his father Isaac into getting his blessing. know, in that story, Jacob tricks the father into thinking a, a younger sibling was the older sibling. Right? And in this story, a father tricks Jacob into thinking the older sibling is the younger sibling. It's kind of the mirror. It's kind of just the opposite. And remember, Jacob had been had been living a life where he was tricking people, deceiving people, um, to, to get what he wanted. And now it's catching up with him. Now he's beginning to reap what he's what he sowed. He's beginning to get a taste of his own medicine. So let's talk a little bit about reaping and sowing. You know, I think there's some major misconceptions. I think a lot of us have a general idea of what sowing and reaping means, but I think there's some, some misconceptions. One of the misconceptions is this. Sowing and reaping is not karma. Karma is not a biblical principle. Karma is, is, isn't. And there's, it's similar, but let me explain to you the difference. Karma says that if you are good good things will happen to you. And if you are bad, bad things will happen to you. So it sounds similar so far, but let me break it down a little bit more. If you put, karma is this, if you put positive energy into the universe, the universe will repay you with positive energy back. Or if you put negative energy into the universe, the, the universe will repay you with negative energy. Let me, let me give you some examples. If you, if you help an old lady across the street... Your, your business will boom. That's, that's karma. See how those things aren't, aren't related, right? But if you do good things, good things will come back to you. Or it could be like, if you kick a puppy, you'll catch a cold, right? It's, 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 it's this good energy produces good things. Bad energy gives you bad things. And that's not exactly what sowing and reaping is. Sowing and reaping is a cause and effect it's similar but it's actually it's more of a natural reaction it's a natural reaction to our actions like karma would say if you lie your car may break down but what sowing and reaping would say is that if you lie you might get caught in that lie and you're going to ruin your reputation and people aren't going to believe you anymore do you see do you see the difference It's a natural reaction. Or if if you're having an inappropriate relationship with someone who is not your spouse, you're going to damage your marriage. You're going to potentially ruin your marriage. Do you see see the difference between the two? If you plant a bad seed, you are going to reap bad consequences. It's not if you do good things, some unrelated good thing will happen to you. They're directly related. Does that make sense? It's cause and effect. It's saying that our actions have consequences. If you keep making bad choices, you're going to get bad results from those choices. In the book of Job, Job says this. He says, As I have observed those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. You know, I was sitting down with a guy a number of years back, and he was just telling me about how awful his life was. And he was just, he, he, had, uh, he had been unfaithful to his wife and they ended up getting a divorce and he was estranged from his children now and he was, he was telling me about how he had left his job and he can't, couldn't find a new job and how he was on his second or third DUI and he was just so frustrated and he was just I, saying, I don't understand why these things keep on happening to me. I don't understand why this stuff keeps on happening. And I had to stop him. And, and very lovingly, and, and I was you know, trying to be as gracious as I could, I said, these things aren't happening to you. Like, you are doing these things. You are choosing these things. So when we look around at our lives, and, and we just see lives that are full of bad fruit, like the harvest is just bad, We just see destruction and and just bad fruit. We need to stop. and We need to ask ourselves, am I reaping what I've been sowing? Are my decisions leading me to this? Because oftentimes they are. And I know a lot of times in my life I've been completely oblivious to that. But Scripture tells us that sin leads to destruction and to death. And if you plant bad seeds of sin, you're going to get bad results. But, but let me just say this, too. Let me make this really clear. There are some of us here who feel like every bad thing that happens to us is, is our fault. And that's not true, either. That's not true. Like, sometimes bad things happen to us because, for just for the simple fact, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. And maybe we didn't do anything wrong. So hear me out. The fact that, that may, you have cancer, the fact that your child passed away, that's not your fault. That's not your fault. You know, the bad things that are happening to us aren't always reaping what we've sown. Sometimes they are, but not always. And the other thing we need to realize that it may, it may not even be just the result of living in a broken world, but we may be reaping what other people have sown. Other people may have sinned against us. And we are reaping, reaping the just awful consequences of it. Like I, I just, I know people who grew up in, in abusive homes where their parents were just awful, said negative things about them. And now as adults they are just reaping negative consequences because of it and it's not their fault. It's not their fault. And that's important for us to know that a lot of the bad things that happen that are happening to you are not your fault. Sometimes they are. And it's important for us to know that not only do the seeds that we sow affect us but they affect others too. Sometimes when we sow negative seeds, they'll affect our, our, our wives or our, our husbands or our friends or our children. Do you know the Bible talks about sins that, that affect generations? that will not only affect your children, but your children's children. That's why we, sin is so serious, guys. Because it not only affects you, but it affects so Many. We need to realize that our decisions, our choices, whether they're choices that we make in public or in private, they have consequences. And again, let's remember, though, that we serve a merciful, loving God. Okay? So I know that's heavy, but we we serve a merciful, loving God. And that there's a natural consequence to our sins but there's also another type of sowing and reaping that the Bible talks about. And it's not necessarily a natural consequence. It's actually a supernatural consequence. There's a supernatural reaction to our actions. Here's what I mean. Sometimes it's the consequence or the the negative or the hard thing in our life is not a natural reaction to our sin. It's God causing it to happen. Sometimes it's God who's causing this this hard thing to happen in our life. And here's what I mean. This is what I think we're seeing in the story. This is what I think is happening to Jacob. You know, it's too much of a coincidence that the, the deception that Jacob pulled on his father is the same deception that Laban is pulling on him. It's too much of a coincidence. I believe it's God holding up a mirror to Jacob. Saying, I want you to see what you're doing, Jacob. I want you to see what your, your choices feel like, what it feels like to be deceived. Sometimes it's God causing us to, to, to see what we're doing, it's God holding up a mirror to us. And oftentimes, let me say this this can be really misunderstood. You know, I'll regularly talk to people going through just awful situations and they feel like it's God punishing them for some bad decision that they made, you know, 20 years ago. Like, you know, the reason my wife is sick is because of all the bad things I did when I was younger and God is now punishing me. But that's not how this works. That's not what we're talking about here. Remember, God is a merciful, loving God and it says in Hebrews 12, the Lord disciplines The ones he loves. The Lord disciplines the ones he loves. He does it out of his love. And also we need to know this. The word discipline that's used there, it doesn't mean to punish or to hold down or to crush. What it means is to train up, to educate, to teach. This is ideally how a parent should relate to their children when we see our children doing something harmful to either themselves or to someone else, we discipline out of love, not to punish and crush them, but to teach them, to help them grow. This is what the Lord does to us. Like, let Let me tell you a story about God disciplining me. I remember, you know, when I first, you know, became an adult, and I first, you know, moved out of my parents' house and got you know, got a job, and I was responsible for bills and all that kind of stuff, I realized that I was barely making enough money to pay my bills and to do all that stuff. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to stop tithing and giving to the church. Um, and no one's going to notice. I don't make that much money anyways. And, and when I start making a, a little bit more money, I'm going to all start tithing again. And plus, I mean, I want to be able to go to the movies and do all the stuff that I want to do, and I'm sure God wants me to do that too. So, um, and, and let me tell you what happened. So I had made this decision to stop tithing, and within one week, this is no joke, within one week, I got a speeding ticket for going 57 and a 50. 57 and a 50. I had two flat tires and a flat spare. I had my, my window uh, air conditioner and my home break, and I have my brand new shoes get stolen off of my front porch. All within one week. And I don't think, I really don't believe it was God punishing me. What I think God was doing was saying, JT, I need you to, to see that you can't be so tight with your money. You can't be so controlling with your possessions and, and the things that you have. You need to be generous. You need to trust me. I'm going to take care of you. And God, he wasn't crushing me. He was growing me. He was helping me learn. And that's what the Lord wants to do. That's why he disciplines us, because he, he wants us to grow. And we also need to know this. God's discipline, the fact that there are bad consequences to sin, is actually a blessing actually a blessing. Remember, he's not up in heaven, you know, just wagging his finger, just waiting to drop the hammer on us. He loves you. He is a merciful, gracious God who disciplines us out of his mercy. Listen to this quote. It says, it is the grace of God that our sin bears bad fruit. It forces us and others to face what has been swept under the carpet. That's a really and that must have been a smart guy who said that. Who said that? Who said that? Put that up. Danny, my. That's from the gospel of wholeness, by the way. And a lot of this stuff is from the gospel of wholeness. I just want to encourage you guys. We're, we sell it on the bookshelf, and we, we, we have that class taught once or, or so a year. But it's, it's life-changing. But God can create consequences that we, so we grow. The reason our sin bears bad fruit is so we can deal with the root issue. So we don't just sweep it under the rug. So we can see, oh, this is something I need to deal with. And let me, let me say this too. God will make it clear if he's the one giving you the consequence. He will make it clear if he's disciplining you. He's going to give you warnings. He's going to have people speak into your life. He's going he's to speak to you. You know, I know people who are prone to think that every bad thing that happens to them is because God is disappointed. But we need to remember that God's not up in heaven waiting to punish us. He loves us so much and wants us to grow. We need to remember that he is a merciful God, so he's going to make it clear if he's disciplining you. And and going back to Jacob, I really believe God was really trying to get his attention. He was like, Jacob, come on. You need to stop betraying people. You need to stop tricking people. And he was letting him see what it felt like. And Jacob just doesn't get it. He doesn't. And and, and as the story goes on, we're going to see next week how even in this situation, he reaps what he sows. In this situation, he could have said, you know what? I'm I'm going to honor my commitment to Leah. And I'm going to love Leah. Leah. But instead, he, what he does is he says, I want, I want Rachel too. And, and we, we're going to see next week how that is just a bad decision. And he ends up having bad consequences for it. And we're going to see how his children, actually, it affects them. He says, I want Rachel to be my wife too. And everything gets missed, m- messed up. We need to realize that when we are being disciplined, when God is holding up a mirror in our lives, the Lord, we need to trust that he's good and that he's trying to teach us. And, and Romans eight twenty eight. this is something that I regularly remind myself of. This is one of my favorite verses. It says that we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. That's a promise, And this is true. In all of these situations, when we are are facing consequences of our sins, when we're just facing horrible things because we live in a broken world, or when God is disciplining us, we we need to know that God can and will use all these things for for our good, to grow us, to make us better people. Because he is is such a good God that he can take awful situations and use them to to make us better people. But the bottom line is this. We need to be aware that we reap what we sow. That there are consequences to the decisions that we make. We also need to know, though, that mercy, the Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment that uh, yes, there are consequences to our actions, but we need to realize there's a flip side of that too. There's a flip side, that it's not only just the negative things where we reap what we sow, but it's the positive things as well. You know, I have a choice with my daughter, Olive, where I, can, I could speak negative things over her. You know, I could call her stupid or, or just say awful things to her, and there will be negative consequences for both me and her if I do that. But if I speak positive things over my daughter, if I speak truth over my daughter, there will be positive effects. If I say, you are my daughter, Olive. Oh, and I love you so much. And you are wonderful. And you you have a purpose. You were created for a purpose, sweetheart. And you belong to Jesus. And he loves you far more than even mommy and daddy love you there will be positive effects in that. She will reap positive fruit because of that. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What that's saying is if we sow bad seeds into bad places, we're going to get bad fruit. But if we sow seeds of love, if we sow seeds of kindness, we're going to get good fruit from that. So what do we do when we're, when we're reaping those bad fruits? You know, when we look at our life and we just see bad fruit, well, you know, because God is a merciful God, who loves us and and doesn't just want us to live with this bad fruit. He gives us some tools to uproot these bad seeds in our lives. He gives us some tools. And what we call that is he gives us the ability to make exchanges. We need to start making exchanges. The first way we make, make an exchange is through worship and thanksgiving. Worship in thanksgiving. That in all things we worship the Lord and, and are thankful to the Lord. And when we choose to, to, to fix our eyes on God and not on our circumstances, God begins to change our hearts. We need to be thankful in all things. The Bible makes this clear over and over that, that our, our circumstances, our, our awful things that are happening to us cannot rob us of our worship. We need to worship him and be thankful to him in all things. You know, another tool we have, you know, when we're reaping the negative effects of, of what we've sowed, God gives us this beautiful tool called repentance and confession. This is a tool that we, we, we need to use when, when we have sinned, when we have planted the seeds. Repentance means we turn away from our sin. And confession means we we expose our sin. We bring it to light. We confess our sins to God and to one another. And this is an exchange that we're making with God. This is a supernatural exchange. This is not just a cathartic thing that we do that, hey, if you just say it out loud, it feels better. That's not what this is. This is a supernatural thing that happens. You know, we say, Jesus, I'm giving you my, my anger, or I'm giving you my lust, or I'm giving you this or that. And in, in, in return, God comes in and begins to change our hearts. God comes and begins to change our attitudes, which, which changes our, our behaviors. And those, those, those seeds that have taken uh, just these deep roots in our life begin to be uprooted. And it's a supernatural thing that God God does. And this is one way we begin to start sowing into the Spirit by just being people who repent and and, and people who confess their sins. Repentance and confession is terrifying, but it is beautiful. The early church used to call it the gift of repentance. And and let me just say this. If you have a, a sin area in your life, That is in the dark right now. I just so encourage you to bring it to the light. Because God will start to to undo the effects of it and He'll begin to change you. He is so merciful. The longer you keep it in the dark, the harder it is to, to, to rip out those roots. Repentance and confession is a gift from God. The second tool that we have, or the third tool that we have that we can use when we've been sinned against, is forgiveness. This is one when when we're reaping negative effects of, of sins that have been done to us. God calls us to forgive. And forgiveness is, is extremely powerful and effective. And forgiveness, I really think, has been so misunderstood. I think the way that we think of forgiveness is saying, hey, it's all right. It doesn't matter. You know, don't worry about it. That's forgiveness. Or sweeping it under the rug and saying, hey, you know, it's all good. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. And that's, that's not forgiveness. Actually, that will probably do more damage if we do that. Forgiveness is not sweeping things under the rug. It's not saying what the person did doesn't matter. In fact, it's saying the opposite. It's saying it did matter. It does matter. And again, it's a supernatural exchange that we're making with God. And really, listen, it doesn't have um, as much to do with the person that you're forgiving as it does with you and God. Listen to this quote. It says, Forgiveness is a choice to release, release a person to God, recognizing that he is the judge and not us, and only God has the right and authority to, to determine discipline, judgment, or revenge. Forgiveness is releasing the person to the Lord and saying, You are judge, and I trust you to, to, to discipline or to judge how you see fit. I trust you Lord and what that does again this is not cathartic just to say I forgive you and you feel better it releases us from the power that that sin has on our life it, it uproots the, the, the seeds of that sin I remember there was a, there was a there was a guy who years ago who really sinned against me he really hurt me and I, I just I had such a hard time forgiving him I didn't want to forgive him. And and it began to just grow, and I felt like he was occupying so much space in my my thoughts. And when I would see that like, you know, good things were happening to him, I would be frustrated. And when I would when bad things would happen to him, I would like secretly kind of celebrate it a little bit. And that, that unforgiveness started to turn into to bitterness and all of these things that were just things I didn't want in my life. And what happens is when we don't forgive people, we end up sowing bad seeds ourselves. We start having sinful reactions to to their sin. But when I chose to forgive this person, it was a process. It took a long time for me to really work through all this forgiveness. But when I choose to forgive him and I said, God, I'm going to trust you to judge and to discipline how you see fit man, the effects just started to to just fall off of me. I I began to be less bitter, less angry. True biblical forgiveness is life-changing. I've seen so many people just receive such uh, healing and such freedom when they choose to forgive. And And remember, it's not saying that what the person did didn't matter or it was okay, it's just saying, God, you were the judge and I'm not. So let me, let me finish with this last point. You know, it, it is true that we reap what we sow. That our choices have, have consequences and that we need to be careful and thoughtful how we live. But the beautiful thing is this. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus came to restore Was lost. The Bible says that Jesus has done something about it. That He is restoring the harvest. That's the good news. That's what He's all about. You know the verse that we read last week about what the the it's it's basically the end of the story, where it says, "Jesus, He who is sitting on the throne." He says this, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for my words are trustworthy and true. Jesus is about making all things new. He's about fixing the things that we have broken. Jesus is all about restoring. And so we have this future hope that one day God is going to make all things new. But remember, we talked about last week how that future hope is beginning to break in now. Because of what Jesus did on that cross, the, 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 the results of sin were, were conquered. And Jesus is beginning to say, no, I am making all things new today. Today. And we do have a hope that one day God is going to fix everything, but we get to see brokenness become new today. Not all the time. We don't get to see everything fixed completely, but God is in the business of restoring. The brokenness that we have caused, the brokenness that others have caused against us. This is why we see healings. This is why we see relationships being restored. It's because God is about restoring what has been lost. God is good. He's redeeming. He's rescuing. He's restoring. You know, in the book of Joel, I love this. this, There's this prophecy that Joel has where he sees this field that has just been decimated by locusts. And it's just been completely destroyed, and the harvest for years has been destroyed. And listen to what what God says in this prophecy. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. That's his promise, that he is going to restore the harvest, the bad fruit that we see in our life. God is going to restore it. God is all about rescuing us, restoring us, and redeeming us. He is a good God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, it's not just a free ticket to heaven. It's not just our ticket to heaven. Thank the Lord it's our ticket to heaven. But you know what else it is? is it's him saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re- uh, reverse the effects of the sin in your life. It's conquering the, the, the effects of sin, that we are, and we are in the middle of this beautiful story getting played out of God saying, I'm, I'm fixing it. And that's why we say, Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your restoration come today, both, both in the world globally and our, in our lives personally. Tim Keller says this, he says, the gospel is the ultimate story that shows victory coming out of defeat, strength coming out of weakness, life coming out of death, rescue from abandonment. And because it is a true story, it gives us hope because we know that life is really like that. And it could be your story as well. God made you to love him supremely, but he lost you. He returned to get you back, but it took the cross to do it. He absorbed your darkness so that one day you can finally and dazzlingly become your true self and take your seat at his eternal feast. God is restoring the harvest. God is about making beautiful things out of brokenness, causing life to come out of the ashes. Guys, what we do matters. It does. There are consequences to our sin, and we do reap what we sow. But God is a good God who is faithful, and He's a God who promises us that He was going to make all things new. So why don't we stand? That's the good news of the gospel that there is consequence to sin that the consequences of sin are destruction and death. But God has given us a way to to receive forgiveness and to be more than conquerors through it. Why don't we we just invite the Holy Spirit and just see what he wants to do? I really think the Lord wants us to respond to this in, in some way. So let's just wait. Come, Holy Spirit. When we just want to follow you. We just want to do what you're doing. You know, I, I think the Lord wants us to because he's a good, merciful God, he wants us to experience the restoration today. He, he wants us to have a chance this morning to see heaven break into earth. And so I just want to, if you are sick, if you are facing some kind of bad fruit in your life, whether it's, you know, whatever, if it's just the result of living in a broken world or if you've made bad choices, I want to invite you guys up to just let God come and restore. And there's, there's three p- specific things that I think God wants to deal with, but if it's anything, I want to invite you up. There's three that I felt like the Lord put on my heart. And one was I feel like there's people who are dealing with shame, uh, shame from their past uh, uh, and, and bad choices that they made or may have not even been choices that they made. But God wants to, to break the power of shame in your life and, and just rip those roots out. Um, the second one is generational things that so there's some people here who have had things handed down to them from their parents um, and it could have been words spoken to you by your parents or or behaviors from your parents um, and the god, and the lord wants to to break that this morning um, and and the third thing uh, is <clears throat> god wants to to heal us from from pride, and uh, it, it could possibly be that we think really highly of ourselves. But most likely, I think it's that God wants us to get our eyes off ourselves and onto Him. Period. It's not that we think too highly of ourselves; it's that we think too much of ourselves. So, so if any of those things apply to you, or if you just want restoration in any in any area of your life, I want to invite you forward. And remember, we want to be a church that's vulnerable. And and open to the Lord's leading. So this this area of response is not a, a place for the weak. It's a place for the strong, who are who are willing to obey the Lord. So let's let's start making our way forward. Again, if there's if there's, I'm sure there there has to be lots and lots of people here, who are facing. Uh, bad fruit in their life and it, it might be sickness it might be shame it might it, whatever it is make your way to the front and as people make their way to the front if, if, if some of the people from the church just want to come lay your hands on them just pray for them invite the Holy Spirit remember this is not a counseling session this is a time where we just let the Holy Spirit minister
1: All who are awake come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the stream of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of his mercy. Deep cries out too deep. We sing, Come Lord Jesus, come. We sing. We sing, come, Lord Jesus,
0: come. We just invite you to come, Holy Spirit. Just minister to us. We just ask you to, to <clears throat> come into our lives, point out the things that the, the seeds that we're planting that are, are, are bad seeds, Lord. And we thank you that you're a God that restores. You're a God that heals. You're not, you're not a God who just says, deal with it. You're so merciful, Lord. Oh, we don't deserve that. You are so kind. I just love you so much, Jesus. Father, I just pray that we can be um, just ambassadors of your reconciliation, that we can join with you in your, in your ministry that you're doing, Lord, in restoring lives. And Lord, we just make exchanges with you. We say we give you our, our sin. We give you our, you know, whatever it is, we give it over to you. And we want you to just come and fill us with your spirit. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. We worship you. Amen. Um, I just want to encourage you guys, please, if, if, you, if you if you didn't respond, but you if you want prayer, it's not too late. Grab someone, ask them to pray for you. This is what it's all about. And um, if you're new, please stop by, say hi to us. The visitor, welcome. And uh, sign up for the classes and and inspire and all that good stuff. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.